to give thanks and bow our heads. Father, we are appreciative of this time together for being able to just have your presence with us and your assurance of your life in us. We pray that you would help us this morning to just study and think of your word as we as we share it together and uh, we just pray that you'd help us overcome these technical glitches, maybe just to show your strength and your might, that it might be to your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So somehow the whole notes and everything just disappeared from my, from my program here, so I, I'm going without notes. So I... I'm supposed to be talking on Jesus, the divine Son of God, and uh, the the uh, first um, part of this series was done by Carrie Gino back in January, if you remember. And Carrie went through the topic uh, of uh, looking at Jesus and what that meant, uh, what we could find out about Jesus and whether he was uh, the Son of God and what that meant. And the bottom line of Carrie's talk is that uh, you found it. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, is that, yay, somebody's. This will work better than nothing. So Kerry's talk, back to that, he, would, he said that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. That was his, uh, his bottom line. And so this morning I wanted to, to take sort of a backwards look up from this day. We were talking about this, the resurrection, but Really, I wanted to go back and look at Jesus, the Son of God, as he is displayed on the cross. And uh, I think that's uh, uh, something we can see uh, better in hindsight, right, because of the resurrection. So the resurrection is extremely important in our view of what we saw happening on the cross. So what's really happening, sometimes it's not always obvious on the surface what's going on, right? We can see things, but there's something we're not catching of the story. I was uh, told this by one of uh, a doctor that I know, happened to him. He was uh, just finished his training, and he was started in practice. And uh, on an impulse, one of those days where he's been out in the garden or working outside, I don't know, you know, dressed sort of like in his jeans and T-shirt, he gets the impulse that he should go look for another car because the old one he's been driving all through his training years is getting old, and it was kind of a modest car. And so, you know, off, that's just an impulse. I'm going to go look at the dealership to, the, to see what's there. So he goes to the dealership, drives up in his old car, and gets out and starts looking around the lot. And, of course, he's a guy. He's going to be attracted to the most expensive model on the lot, right? And he starts looking at it, and he opens the door, gets inside, sits in, feels it. And, you know, the, the salesman's there. The salesman's kind of a little bit nervous about this, what's going on. And the guy says, okay, yeah, this, this car, I, can, I could get this, you know, this is, would be sort of the car I'd like. I'm just going to uh, take it for a test drive. Can I take it for a test drive? And the salesman says, I think you should maybe look at this model over here more in your price range. And, of course, that didn't sit very well with my doctor uh, colleague who, who said, well, 
And he gets out his wallet and hands him his newly printed business card, you know, doctor, and says, you just lost yourself a commission, and by the way, I'm not going to come uh, looking at this dealership anymore. Because the, the salesman didn't perceive what was really happening here, right? He saw the outside, but didn't see what was below the surface. And that's a, a, <clears throat> a bit like what's going on in the cross. Put this... Uh, this up for our, our uh, consideration this morning. From Hans Urs von Balthasar. don't know if I said his name right. He lived in the 20th century Catholic theologian. But he said this kind of startling uh, uh, thing. Being disguised under the disfigurement of an ugly crucifixion and death, the Christ upon the cross is paradoxically the clearest revelation of who God is. And let that soak for a few seconds. Being disguised under the disfigurement of an ugly crucifixion and death, the Christ upon the cross is paradoxically the clearest revelation of who God is. So, is that, is that right? Well, let's think about it for a minute. Like, Jesus is said to be the revelation of God. Hebrews said he's the exact representation of his image. And Paul says to the Colossians, in, all, in him is the fullness of deity. So yeah, we know that Jesus, as Carrie mentioned, is God, and he reveals God. Uh, John said, no one has seen God in him, but, the, but Jesus has revealed him, and he is the one who reveals the Father to us. In John 1.18. So what... That, that makes sense, but what about this part about uh, the cross is the clearest revelation of who God is? Because it seems at the cross it was just disaster, chaos, mess, and uh, death and destruction, right? So where's God in all of that? How do you see God there? But if you think about Jesus' ministry, his ministry was to come to die on the cross. And if he is the representation of, Jesus, of God... In, in exact representation, if he himself is God, then his whole focus was to come to the cross and to be the, uh, that sacrifice. So it makes sense that at that moment, God is being more f- fully revealed than at any other time in, in history. So that does make sense to me that this is the clearest revelation of God, even, even in spite of it being the ugliest scene we could ever imagine. Because Roman crucifixion was just that, the, the worst type of death that anyone could suffer. I mean, if we were there, we would throw up, probably, if we had watched it. I mean, we get sort of immune, immunized against all this violence by our TV screens, but that's sort of at a distance. And, but if you had to really physically in, uh, observe it, it might just... Just, you might just be awfully uh, moved uh, to the point where you could not, could not endure it, watching it. That's how cruel it was. This is a sort of a mild illustration of that. Uh, so here's, here's someone who likes to, to go out off-road and with his truck. But what kind of truck do you see there? It's hard to even tell. What, what color is it? They don't know it's covered in mud. Uh, would you buy that truck? Well, not 
not like that, right? You wouldn't sell it like that anyway. You'd want to clean it up. And this happens to be the same truck uh, after the wash. You know, like, and it's, it makes a difference, right, whether you see things with them covered in mud or whether you can see them washed off. And in a sense, the crucifixion is, uh, is the, the mud. It's just filth. But the resurrection is the wash, if you want to see. And we can see what was happening at the time of the crucifixion. And uh, that uh, just makes things a lot clearer for us. We can see what's underneath the surface. So I like to just look at uh, some of the things that we would learn about Jesus' character and therefore the character of God while he's on the cross. And I picked three things to look at. Uh, it, there are a whole lot of things that you could see, but what do we learn about God from Jesus, the divine Son of God? What sort of characteristics are we talking about? The first one I'd like to think about is uh, humility. Now, the cross and crucifixion was humbling. It was designed as a means of torture and execution that would bring the greatest humility to the victim. They were stripped, they were beaten, they were made to even carry their own instrument of, of execution. Rome was saying, you thought you were something, you're nothing because of what you uh, what you've done to the Rome, so we're going to we're going to humiliate you. But in the wash of the resurrection, and when we look through that mud, what we see actually is humility. And God is displaying His humility. Now, humility is not one of the attributes of God we put in our usual list. You know, His omnipotence, His omnipresence, His sovereignty, His holiness, His justice, and, and you just don't come down that list and find humility on it very often when you're looking at that. But it's not what we think of when we think of humility as being a doormat or being those people who uh, want to live a very Spartan, you know, sort of almost uh, torture themselves type of life. That's not humility. That's, that's sort of not what we're talking about here. And it's not that fake Pride, where you know I'm I'm very humble. You know, I'm I'm uh, I wrote a book once. You know, the ten most humblest people and how I taught the other nine. You know, that sort of fake humility. Uh, but this is humility displayed in a divine sense. And what it humility means is that you give up something that you have that's yours, that's secure, and you and you lower yourself to help others up. And that's the, what humility is. And that's what God displayed. And if we read, and I, let's see if I got it. Yeah, if we read this verse out of uh, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says to the Philippians, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus had Everything, right? He was in, he was God. Kerry said that. He had all the rights and privileges and, and authority of God, all the power. He emptied himself of that. He took himself all the way down, became a man, then, became, then died on the cross in order to help us, the people, up. And that's 
what humility is, and that's what he did for us. He humbled himself. And this muddy, filthy mess that we see on the cross is actually God displaying humility at a, at a level far beyond what we have ever been able to achieve. But this is what God has been doing through that ugly mess. So on the cross, we see that God is a humble God. He's willing to give up himself to come and, and elevate us. He will be exalted again, and we see that in the early resurrection stories, how Christ is being resurrected and, and returning to glory, but he's raising us up with him when he, goes, when he does that. So we've, we've seen this humble God. What... Uh, uh, what I was thinking about was uh, what examples of humility have you seen? And I, I just read last week about this uh, hostage taking in France. Remember just last week there was a uh, terrorist taking hostage, taking a hostage. And did you read the story about the police officer? I had his name up there in a picture of him, but it's gone now. But uh, um can't remember it right offhand. But that policeman, what did he do? He exchanged himself for the hostage. So he went from a place of security and uh, safety to a place of, of just complete um, insecurity and not safe. And as a matter of fact, as it turned out, he, was, he ended up being shot and killed in that. How would you feel with the, that hostage that was released? Eh? Wouldn't that be something to, to live with? That this, this man actually lowered himself, gave up his place of security and safety, and took on your hostage uh, situation, took on your insecurity, and allowed you to go free. That's a powerful picture, and uh, you know, this man is now being hailed as a hero for giving his life in that way. Jesus did this for the whole world, and that is a powerful picture of humility. I, uh, thinking of the next characteristic uh, that is displayed, at the time of the cross, it was very vengeful. Uh, the, the authorities were, were condemning an innocent man, but they, it was condemnation, right? There was judgment, condemnation. And that's what the crowd saw. This, this prisoner was going to be condemned. And there was nothing they could do about it. Every, everybody just sort of pushed him in that direction. There was no escape. There was no leniency. There was no mercy. And far from forgiveness. But what was happening behind the scenes was that God was displaying forgiveness and that he's a forgiving God. What did you, what did you see or hear when Jesus was being nailed to the cross? Father, forgive them. So we heard those words coming from Christ. And what was happening on the cross is a kind of a mystery to us. But when he was hanging there, he was dealing with the sins of the world. He was demonstrating the extreme levels God would go to forgive all sins at all, to all times. 
it's it's quite impressive to think that the condemnation that this group was shouting for, God was using to show his forgiveness. Now, there are lots of different explanations, theories, helps to try and understand that as to what was actually taking place there. But the scripture says that Jesus died for our sins. And you could name a number of scriptures, of, of, and whether you say whether they were um, the substitution or uh, victory or ransom or satisfaction, those have all been applied to the theories that have been going on here as to what's been taking place. They probably all fall a little short, and they all have some deficiencies, and they all have some good points. But I like what C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. He said that, well, we may not, I can't quote it exactly as I did on this slide here, but we may not really know what, what's going on. We can't really, as, as humans, understand it exactly. But he says, but it works. But it worked. Jesus, by his death, took our place and sin was dealt with. It works. And we know it works because three days later he came out of the tomb. So that sin was dealt with. It was, it was taken care of. Jesus was, was on that cross as a substitution for us. He was paying the penalty. What penalty was that? Well, he, was a, he says he, he ransomed us. He set us free. All of these words are describing what's going on there. He took our place. Again, a bit like that police officer, he gave himself so that we might go free. Third uh, uh, characteristic of God that I wanted to to just uh, express was uh, his love. Of course, that defines the cross, doesn't it? The cross defines it, rather. And there's no greater example of love. So the crucifixion was full of hatred. People yelling out, crucify him. The Roman authorities couldn't tolerate anybody who raised the, the idea of a revolution. So kill him. The Pharisees, they didn't like being told that they were wrong so often, I'm sure, and that they, had it, they didn't follow God, they were whitewashed sepulchers and all of those words that Jesus used. They didn't like him. They hated him too. The Sadducees, well, they had cushy power and they didn't want that upset. And, uh, and they had their income flow from that. They wanted to get rid of him because he was raising problems and the Romans might come in and take away their, their route to power and wealth. And even the criminals beside him at one point, they said, well, you can't even save, you can't save yourself. And they were... They hated it, too. And, and that's what we hear from the people. But remember what was going on back at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry? Jesus was in the wilderness, and Satan came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, turn the stones to bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the temple. What do we hear at the time of the crucifixion? If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. 
It's like Satan is now using this mouthpieces of all these people to continue to hammer away at, at Jesus. The hate of, of the people is there, but the hatred of the powers, principality, Satan and his minions, is also fully in effect, aimed at the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to get him to show, to stop this or whatever he's doing and come down from the cross. To, it was, they said, if you are, you prove it by being the Son of God, but Jesus stayed there and proved that he was the Son of God. That's the amazing thing. We couldn't see it. It was too covered with hatred to really see what was going on, but Jesus stuck it out because he loved us. He loved us so much that he was willing to go right through all that hatred and come out clean on the other side. That's amazing, you know, that the whole, the forces arrayed against him are, are beyond what we can comprehend. But he had love enough to withstand that. He refused to come down from the cross. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that he loved us, um, but God demonstrates his love so much that he died for us. But God demonstrates his love while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, we read in Romans 5. Paul says a, a good man might possibly die for someone, but why would you die for your enemies? And this is the kind of love that Jesus portrayed and, and showed us. So having that kind of love demonstrates that what John writes, God is love. And in him there is no darkness at all. Here's the clearest demonstration of that attribute of God being displayed for us on that cross, <coughs> cross covered with, with his blood. The greatest verse of all, of course, that tells us about that, that we all know. But God so loved us that he gave his son. God loved the world that he gave his son. This is the demonstration of God's love, his person on the cross. So there we have three uh, examples of God's character being displayed on the cross. You could go on, I think. I think you could find many characteristics of God. I won't go on because, well, I'm out of slides anyway. But, I, but there are lots. You know, if you think about how cruel it was, Jesus was compassionate on the cross. He looked after his mother. He's looking after others. You could talk about... Um, um, Jesus, the, uh, the strength of God, the power of God, you say, well, he was powerless. He, was, he had nothing on the cross, but that was demonstrating his power to overcome the enemies that he faced. Anyway, we could go on, but I wanted to think about what do we do after we've come to Jesus and looked at his life and his revelation of God and his death on the cross and just ask ourselves, well, what does that mean for us? Well, Jesus says that we are to be his followers. We are to take up our cross 
and follow him. What a description. And like this was said before he went to the cross. I mean, when you go back and read that afterwards, you think, ooh, that's, that's pretty intense. But what he wants us to do, I think, is display the attitudes, the, uh, um, the characters that he displayed on the cross. So let's go back and talk about humility. How have we been humble like God? How have we given up what we have as our right or whatever we've been given, our resources? Have we given up those to help other people in their time of need? You know, it's a good, a good lesson for us that we need to give up our hold on things so that we can give them to help other people. And that was the attitude that Christ displayed. Have we been forgiving? Have we learned to forgive like Jesus did? Jesus took the sins of the world. When you forgive somebody, it costs a lot. It costs God everything, his life. When you have a debt of $1,000, someone owes you that and you forgive them, it costs you $1,000 to forgive that. But what does it cost you to, to forgive someone who's hurt you and injured you? Well, you have to sort of internalize that hurt and then deal with it, and then, and, uh, then it goes. But that's what Jesus did. He took our sins, dealt with them, took the price, and, uh, and uh, rid, rid the world of that. So how have we been doing that? How have we been doing in terms of forgiving those around us who, who hurt us? It's an important thing for us to do with Jesus did it, and he wants us to take up our cross and follow him. And he told us all that we should love one another as he loved us. How have we been doing about that? The love is a, is a giving of yourself, a sacrificial, um, much like humility in a sense, taking yourself and giving away what you have, a hold on and giving it to another person, sacrificing yourself out of their out of love for them. I was thinking how poorly we do at that. This is just an aside, but you know, like how much are we willing to give up our own life to help other people? <laughs> Yesterday, I cooked breakfast for Vicky, you know, and we cooked the toast and and the eggs and everything was ready and hot and. Uh, I sit down, it's ready, come and get it. And she says, well, just a few minutes, I've got to finish this. Oh, but my toast is going to get cold. Maybe I should just go ahead and eat it at night now. But no, she wants to eat with me. That would be more loving if I let her eat with me. But I want to eat my hot toast now. You know, like, and if I can't even get it over a piece of toast, what do help do I have, hope do I have to get the love right you know, on bigger things like that? But it's just such a reminder that what we do in our lives, how much are we willing to give of ourselves for other people? How much do we love them? I didn't eat the toast. I wait for her to come. That's good. Cold toast. You know. <laughs> That's a sacrifice. No, it wasn't much of a cross to bear. really wasn't. It's a silly example, but it just helps us think about bigger things. Well, let's... Uh, Let's bow in prayer, and then we're going to sing a song. I think I can get that one back, actually, Dave, because I think it's still there, but <laughs> we'll see. Lord, we thank you for this time together, for this look at the cross, for the things that we've been able to see because that you have been raised from the dead, 
and you have made it clear to us that there was much more going on in the cross than what we could originally see and what the people there saw. Only two people really caught on that you were displaying yourself. One was a, a soldier, an executioner, and he said, surely this was the Son of God. And the other one was a criminal condemned to die, and he said to you, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The only two people that really caught it. Father, we wouldn't have probably caught it there, but help us to, to see it now, as the disciples did once you revealed it to them after your resurrection. They caught the message. They went on to do marvelous and amazing things in your name because of their assurance of your characters. They took up their crosses. They followed you. May we do that as uh, you call us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. And we cannot say it any better than that, Father. So we we thank you for the cross and for what you accomplished on it. Thank you that we can celebrate the resurrection today and we thank you for all of these things meant to us and continue to mean. And we thank you for your continued presence in Jesus' name. Amen.